Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined, as I always am, by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can catch the Talking Tide podcast at any podcasting app you prefer, including Apple Podcasts. Also catch us at our web host, which is megaphone.fm online. You can get us on YouTube. You can get us on Facebook, just about anywhere you want. And of course, give us a follow on Twitter. That handle is talking underscore tide, uh, T-A-L-K-I-N underscore tide. We forego the G uh, with that handle here on talking tide a lot to get into. Uh, not a lot of news though, Travis. And so we're going to kind of go off uh, the path a little bit here in, in mid-May, as as is typical at this time of year. There isn't a ton of Alabama football or basketball news, for that matter, uh, circulating. Thought we'd have a little bit of fun breaking down the SEC quarterbacks uh, returning this fall in 2022. Uh, maybe uh, run down a top five, a top 10, what have you. We'll just have fun with it and see where it goes. But uh, Travis, good to be back with you after a couple weeks off. No Talking Tide podcast last week, uh, but we're going to try to keep this thing uh, twice monthly at a minimum here through the summer months. Yeah, I look forward to it. It was a nice little respite, but sure, there's plenty of things to talk about. And as we get into quarterback discussion, especially within the league, and even when you look specifically at some of the teams Alabama is going to see this year, not only in SEC play, but non-conference action. Texas is certainly going to have an interesting situation there, but sticking strictly with the league, you know, it's about as much star power returning along with some competitions that I can ever recall. You return the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. You bring back a national championship quarterback in Stetson Bennett. You got guys like K.J. Jefferson, Hendon Hooker, uh, that are back for another year. But then you consider places like LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, competitions around the league. It's about a 50-50 split. It is. And when you get past Bryce Young, uh, you can kind of juggle it any way you want almost. It's a little bit of a mixed bag, although a fairly talented mixed bag in, in, in my estimation. Start at the top, though, Travis, really quickly to touch on the number one returning quarterback in the league, Bryce Young, defending Heisman Trophy winner. This one's easy, right? And if you went one through 14 in the SEC, Bryce Young's the easiest pick of all right there at the top. Uh, returns with a lot of new faces, certainly new faces at wide receiver, uh, a lot of change on that offensive line, which we talked about extensively throughout spring practice. Uh, but Bryce Young, head and shoulders, I think, above anyone else in the league, at least in terms of uh, what he was able to accomplish last season. Yeah, I mean, you can look at some other categories. Will Rogers of Mississippi State averaged more passing yards per game in two fewer contests last season. But Will Rogers also far and away the most pass attempts in that air raid offense. So in yards per attempt, you know, Bryce actually had him by two yards per pass attempt and ended up throwing for more yards in two more games than Will Rogers. So it's an interesting discussion to be had, though, in terms of the preseason second team all-SEC quarterback 
because it is a given, as you outlined, that the first team guy is Bryce Young. But is it Stetson Bennett next up? Is it KJ Jefferson? Is it Hendon Hooker? You got Will Levis at Kentucky that I'm seeing in some top tens for first rounds of 2023 NFL mock drafts. Good, Brett. That's more Gee. up your alley. But yeah, I mean, it's a deep, deep year for quarterbacks. And still, again, some situations to figure out around the league. I'll go ahead and put you on the spot, Travis. Uh, you're uh, trying to win as many SEC games as you can in 2022 alone. Not talking future, not talking long term, just straight collecting W's this fall. Who would you put as your number two quarterback in the mm. SEC behind Bryce Young? Tough, man, because I think there's a lot of quality at the position, but once you get past Bryce, Who's that next guy that can elevate the play of everyone around him? Because I think that may be as big a separation that occurs between Bryce and the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. Because he can do it from the pocket, but then as we know, he can extend plays with his legs, do it with his arm outside the cup, make plays with his feet. Uh, wow, that's a tough one. I, I Right now, I would probably, you know, this guy isn't going to be the second team selection in the preseason but in terms of trust for me it might actually be max johnson now of texas a&m right. i just like his makeup uh i feel like you know, they're in a situation that's too big for him um played well in his two seasons at lsu now he's got to win a competition at texas a&m uh i know the numbers say kj jefferson uh i like kj jefferson a lot but if you're not going to be able to build a strong running game around him. It, a lot of it has to do with system too, Chase. You know, you've got some of these quarterbacks like Hendon Hooker and KJ Jefferson that can do it with their legs and run schemes and vertical passing games. Um, but then if you're just talking about throwing it from the pocket and kind of managing an offense too, you know, that's where it gets tough. I, I'm a Max Johnson fan, though. I, I know a lot of people aren't as high on him as I am, but I, I like the guy. I'm a Hendon Hooker fan, and I've actually got Hendon. I had, it, mm -hmm. if you had jumped me on that question and, and asked me who I had it to, I went with Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, he, he's a guy, as you noted, uh, he, he's a guy, he's a dual threat for sure. He can get it done with his legs. He can throw the football, too, though. I like what I've seen from Hendon Hooker's arm. I thought he made some decent throws against Alabama in a loss to the Crimson Tide last fall. Um, I think he's got some upside. I don't think we've seen the ceiling yet from Hendon Hooker either. Uh, so give me Hendon Hooker, uh, but it's close, right? I mean, like I said at the top, it's kind of a mixed bag. You could reach in, I think, to three or four schools at least, pull out the quarterback and make a decent argument for any of those guys to be behind Bryce Young. Uh, you like Max Johnson. Second. I like Max Johnson if I got to win a game tomorrow. And that's where I think this is interesting because to me, that's not the same as who would I vote for as the second team preseason quarterback. Right. I'd probably still vote for KJ Jefferson. Right. Um, because I think he's coming off a season in which he's deserving of that or Hendon Hooker. I'd probably have both those guys ahead of Max Johnson. But if you're telling me like for like personnel wise, and I got to win a game tomorrow, it may be Max Johnson that I go with. All right. 
two names that I'm going to kick out there for us to, to kind of chew on now, Travis Stetson Bennett and Spencer Rattler, who, of course, is the transfer from Oklahoma, who's going to be quarterback in those South Carolina Gamecocks. Stetson Bennett, of course, uh, wearing a crown on his head, looking to get on this list as soon as he can. Uh, what are your thoughts on where those two would kind of fall in? I'll jump in. I'll let you tackle Bennett. Here's where I'm at on Rattler. He lost his job in the Big 12 where it's 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 not that hard on quarterbacks, right, in that league to throw for 303 touchdowns every Saturday. That league is so bad defensively. And, look, I get it. Caleb Williams is a pretty special talent. A lot of guys might lose their job to, to Caleb Williams, but I'm kind of I've kind of got a show me attitude with Spencer Spencer Rattler. I want to see it in in the SEC where he's going to be seeing tougher pass rushes, tighter throwing windows than he did in the Big Twelve. I don't know where I'd put Rattler on this list. Certainly not at number three. I think he falls in at least for me. Uh, entering 2022, and look, if, if we if we have this discussion again around Halloween, obviously the whole thing could be mixed around. But as we sit here in May, Spencer Rattler for me might be in that four to six range uh, for uh, quarterbacks coming back in the league. And then with that, I'll I'll kick Stetson Bennett's placement over to you. Yeah, with Rattler, real quick, it's more of an intangible thing that I worry about with him than anything physical. Um, you know, can he get a team to truly believe in him? Does he have that sort of charisma, that personality, that win the team viability that we've heard Nick Saban talk about in quarterback competitions at Alabama? At South Carolina, it may not matter. They, they may just have to go with Spencer Rattler. As far as Stetson Bennett, the more I think about this guy and more specifically some of the reaction from that fan base to him, he is the Jay Barker of Georgia football. Yes. That's yeah. what he is. Yep. The guy wins a national championship, the first in 41 years for that program. And you've still got a lot of Georgia fans or at least a decent number of Georgia fans that are, oh, man. You know, even his top wide receiver from last year left. You know, after winning a national championship to go play with Bryce Young. So I think if you're Kirby Smart, though, you love that because it's that sort of chip that drives this guy. And as much as anything, the most important pieces to that offense, in my opinion, for Stetson Bennett to have success will still be in place in 2022 because they'll still be capable of running the football. And they'll still have three tight end sets. They'll have their top two tight ends. And then they've added Eric Gilbert, another tight end. So they're going to be tight end centric. Almost feels like training wheels on the sides of that offense, doesn't it, with those tight ends? Um, so I think it's still a good fit for Stetson. But in terms of how, again, he's perceived by his own fan base, it reminds me of Jay in a lot of ways in the 92 to 94 time frame. No doubt. And if there's if there's anything about Bennett and Barker that can be comparable that you didn't bring up that, that I think is, is appropriate as well is both of them lost a lot of credit for a national championship to the defenses, right? Yeah. The, the, the 92 defense got 
and I think deservedly so, got more credit than did Jay Barker for the 1992 National Championship, a lot more credit, and should have. Uh, and conversely, Georgia's defense in 2021 was so dominant, uh, so many draft picks off to the NFL, especially that front seven, was just unblockable, uh, much like Alabama's in 92. Yeah. And so Stetson Bennett uh, didn't didn't get as much love as – the combination of Trayvon Walker and and, and uh, Kobe Dean and Kobe Dean and Channing Tindall and all those guys. No, and you don't want to see this happen, the Stetson Bennett. But maybe the only way for him to get his just due would be for him to be out for an extended stretch in 2022, just like Jay. Yeah. Um, you know when he went out in '93 in the Iron Bowl against Auburn down on the Plains and Alabama looked to be in really good shape in that game. And, you know, Auburn comes back and wins that game. And, um, you know, you saw Jay during different points of the, I want to say 94 season, he had to miss some time too. And, you know, Alabama in some situations was forced to go with, I guess it was 93 with David Palmer, some, you know, at the quarterback position, even. So that may be the only scenario where Stetson Bennett, truly gets the love he deserves from his fan base. But we say all that. I still don't think Jay gets enough credit for what he did in 94. And he was tremendous with Homer Smith in there and, you know, dialing up that offense and uh, give Jay a lot of credit. There was a lot of growth for him in that two to three year span. Completely different quarterback in 94. Yep. Uh, than, than he was in 92. Todrick Malone, Rod Rutledge, those cats. Yep. They got it done. Uh, all right, a few other quarterbacks we'd probably be remiss not to bring up. You already brought up K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas, uh, talented guy, dual-threat guy, experienced guy. Uh, he could make a lot of noise for Arkansas. I, to me, I still feel like Texas A&M will be um, the biggest threat to Alabama in the West. But K.J. Jefferson, Travis, um, he's a he's a dangerous guy back there, and he's he's – He's been known to give better teams a lot of trouble. He has, and you got to figure out how you go about replacing uh, Traylon Burks at the wide receiver position. Jaden Hazelwood comes in from Oklahoma as a transfer. Maybe he'll go a long way in filling that void. But really for Arkansas, with Sam Pittman there, you still feel like the run game is going to be a very central part of their offense, and KJ's a big part of that as well from the quarterback position. So – you know, how they're able to go about, again, the Burks departure and uh, sustaining that run game. And then uh, maybe Hazelwood takes them to another level or returns them or keeps them at the level uh, they were able to achieve a year ago. And again, I think for me, Hooker and Jefferson are, are very comparable, a little bit different. I love the way Hooker throws the deep ball. Um, that offense thrives on the vertical passing game off the run and you know, they spread the field, but a lot of times they do it to throw the ball down the field. So, you know, both those guys had big games against Alabama uh, last season in a span of about a month with first, I guess, Hooker uh, having the big first half especially. And then K.J. with Traylon Burks kind of went off in Tuscaloosa. Speaking of big games against Alabama, what about Zach Calzada? Uh, who quarterbacked a win, a regular season win over the Crimson Tide for Texas A&M last fall. He turns up at Auburn now. Uh, we touch on, we'll touch on him as well. And what about Anthony Richardson 
over at Florida. He's competing with a transfer from Ohio State and Jack Miller for that quarterback job. Travis uh, Emory Jones, of course, has moved on. I believe he transferred off to Arizona State. Uh, but uh, let's touch on them two really quick. Anthony Richardson of Florida, Zach Calzada with Auburn. Yeah, Richardson is kind of the X factor in all this because the talent is there. And, again, similar to some of these quarterbacks, although I don't know if Billy Napier's offense is going to ask that much of him. It might uh, in the run game, but he's very capable of that. Um, you know, he's an explosive play uh, producer, Anthony Richardson. Now, can he stay healthy? Because that was a big problem for him last year. You remember the big fast start for him, and everybody had written off Emory Jones, and it's going to be Richardson – uh, really going into the Alabama game. But then he had the hamstring issue against South Florida right before Alabama made that visit. And, right. Uh, didn't really see him down there. So, no, he's got all the potential in the world, the skill set that you love in the quarterback position in this era of quarterback play. And, um, you know, when you look at Auburn, T.J. Finley's kind of standing there like, well, I know Zach Calzada's come in from Texas A&M, but I'm kind of the guy right yeah. now anyway. So, That'll be an interesting again. Does he one stay of those, the guy? One of those things where I think even going into the season with a couple of these, and I love Max Johnson, but I'm going to tell you, Connor Wiegman, the freshman at Texas A&M, it's not a matter of if he'll be the starting quarterback at Texas A&M. It's more about when, and that's not good news for Haynes King, who was the starter week one for the Aggies a year ago before being injured. So. And you got some great storylines at the quarterback position between Auburn, Ole Miss, A&M, LSU with Miles Brennan going in the portal, coming out of the portal. Now he's in a, a battle with Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels coming in from Arizona State, man. Uh, it's a deep, deep year for quality quarterbacks. That freshman from A&M made some throws in that Aggie spring game. Travis, Pro throws. And <laughs> jumped out. Yeah, I watched him in the Under Armour game. Uh, back in early January, and it was like, uh, there's these other quarterbacks in this game, and then there's Connor Wiegman. And it's kind of reminiscent of Brody Croyle a little bit in terms of just being able to rip it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on really quickly, going to tell you a little bit about our sponsors. Starting with North River Dental Associates and former Alabama linebacker Jack Smalley does such a fantastic job with his professional staff of dental hygienists, conveniently located right off of Watermelon Road uh, at 1100 Fairfax Park. All your dentistry needs, whether it's porcelain veneers, endodontics, a routine cleaning, maybe it's laser dentistry you're looking for. They're also doing teeth whitening services over there at North River Dental. You can get Botox and Juvederm treatments for uh, those facial features as well. It's all at North River Dental Associates. They're great when it comes to dealing with the insurance folks as well. Super experience over there on a routine cleaning. You are typically going to be in and out of there in under an hour. That's door to door. Uh, so uh, the the waiting room, they shouldn't even call it a waiting room, Travis, uh, mm -hmm. because there's practically no wait involved at all. If you want to get in touch with Dr. Jack, uh, get your teeth taken care of, phone number 752-3506 or visit them over at NorthRiverDentist.com online. It's North River Dental Associates. Yeah, in terms of dental 
offices, it's like the equivalent of a 10 items or less lane at the grocery store, maybe just 10 teeth or more instead of 10 items or less. Now they do a tremendous job there with Dr. Jack and that incredible staff at North River Dental. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It's been another great run throughout the really academic calendar year, the holiday calendar year. You know, when you think about you get into the fall and Thanksgiving and then the Christmas season and turn right around and Peterbrook Chocolatiers there for you. When Valentine's rolls around in February, you get into Easter and Mother's Day. Hey, you got Father's Day coming up real soon. Next up, I know Good Bread, he would greatly appreciate some chocolate-covered popcorn. Some Die of those right in. Yeah. From Peterbrook Chocolatiers. So make it happen for Pops coming up. With Peterbrook Chocolatier, got those summer camps too this summer, 205-752-0211. You can call that number, sign up that special someone in your life. The summer camps are a lot of fun as well. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Finally going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is in full swing. It's nonstop at the DraftKings Sportsbook, which is the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win, and you'll get $150 in free bets if they do. So if you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, do it with that DraftKings Sportsbook. Same game parlays as well. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. You bet just $5 on any NBA team. You win 150 in free bets if you hit it. And that'll be promo code TPPN once again, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Travis, we're going to close out uh, this edition of the Talking Tide podcast with a tip of the cap to the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame inductions for 2022, two in particular from the University of Alabama softball coach Patrick Murphy, who, of course, just received a bid to the NCAA tournament, which is an annual routine uh, for his softball program. And as well, uh, Travis, going into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame is uh, a guy you and I both saw uh, in our years as a student at the University of Alabama, that would be Keith Askins. Yeah, kind of, kind of made his name on the defensive end of the floor for Wimp Sanderson more than offense. But both of those guys uh, headed to the AS. Well, they're already in uh, the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah, both extremely deserving, and you know, some guys you felt like got overshadowed a little bit on some of those. Alabama teams from the eighties and into the nineties. Um, Keith was one of those guys that you said it didn't mind doing what it took to win on either end of the floor. Um, you know, kind of remind me a little bit of Latrell Sprewell, uh, in that way, uh, during Latrell's time in the program, but both very deserving. I know Murph personally known him for many years now, consider him a friend. So, couldn't be more thrilled for Murph. Very, very, very deserving of that honor. If anyone in the state of Alabama in the, in the sport of softball is going to go into the state Hall of Fame, it should be Patrick Murphy. So that's good to see 
again, as you said, another top eight national seed, as we learned earlier this evening for this Alabama softball team. They'll be at home through regionals and into super regionals should they advance from regional play uh, once again. So, you know, Murph has just been a grassroots effort, too. You see these crowds now, sellouts of 3,000-plus at at Road Stadium, and you think, wow, this has just kind of happened. No, it didn't just happen. I mean, for where they've come from, from basically playing at one of the, the you know, public parks to what they do now, um, grassroots, best way to describe it. There's been many, many times where I know Murph and his players go out and hand deliver season tickets to season ticket holders. That's the type of relationship they built between that program and the fan base. And, you know, now it's undeniably the top fan base in college softball and certainly one of the top five or six programs in college softball. Of the eight people that went into the sports Alabama Sports Hall of Fame here in 2022, Patrick Murphy, the only one who's still active doing what he does, whether it's as an athlete, as a coach, what have you, that says something that he's not even done yet, Travis, and he heads into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. The other six Inducted Doyle Alexander, former Atlanta Brave, former Detroit Tiger, goes in uh, to the Hall of Fame as well. Philip Rivers, an Alabama native, outstanding future Hall of Fame uh, quarterback as well. Justin Tuck, uh, NFL pass rusher Jake Peavy, the former San Diego Padres right-hander. Rusty Greer, ex-MLB hitter. And finally, William Andrews, ex-Auburn running back who – had some really fine years with the Atlanta Falcons, Travis. And uh, when I was a kid, this is pre-Jaguars, long before the Jaguars ever even existed, I was a Falcons guy, and William Andrews was toting it for the Falcons when I, when I first kind of locked in on Atlanta. Back in those days, they were playing in Fulton County Stadium, sharing that place with the Braves. Was it so- Gerald Riggs and William Andrews? I'll tell you, uh, Riggs followed Andrews, right? Um, I'd say in the early 80s. And at that time, look, the Falcons were a good team because they had Steve Bartkowski at quarterback, who at that time was in his his prime. They had the the grits, blitz back in the day. Yes. Uh, The Swamp uh, Fox. Uh, Jeff Van Note playing center yeah. for you, Buddy Curry yeah. at that middle linebacker spot, and the, yeah. the the running back combination was William Andrews and a guy named Lynn Kane. Yeah, I it remember was, Lynn uh, Kane. Yeah. It was kind of a kind of a thunder and lightning combo, those two, and and Andrews was the thunder, uh, and then of course uh, when Andrews moved on, uh, they went with Gerald Riggs, Marion uh, Campbell, I think, with that yeah. grid splits, the Swamp <laughs> yeah. Fox. Had trouble getting past those dastardly Niners. And the Cowboys back then. I, I remember yeah. the Falcons, I think, losing a playoff game. I don't think it was an NFC championship game, but I remember them losing a playoff game to the hated Cowboys mm-hmm. during my childhood. I, I believe that's correct. Yeah. 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 But they were they had some solid years. Once yeah. once those Falcon teams uh, hit the skids and started losing all the time. They really didn't win again until Jerry Glanville got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of, it's pretty long ways. Another a, guy that liked to dial up some pressure, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, Jerry did. Uh, no question about it. All right. That's going to do it uh, for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Want to thank our listeners for joining us once again. 
For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time on Talking Tide.